Mike Michalowicz here, and I am so thrilled that Get Different has been a tremendous success. I am humbled and honored all at once, and it's because of the go-getters. So I encourage you to check them out and see if their businesses may be able to serve you. A huge thank you goes to Stephanie Scheller of growdisrupt.com, Ashley Berghoff of asquaredonline.com, Lisa Young of lisarobinyoung.com, that's with two Bs for Robin, Andrea Balour of studiolinear.com, Eric Olmsted of onlinesupport.com, it's on-line-support.com, and finally, Michael Bazinski of buzzbiz.biz. Thank you, go-getters. Thank you for your tremendous support. Well, you know, some some people are patient and some people aren't. Some people uh, some people can restrain themselves, and then other other people are just cookie monsters and they suck it down. But the tr the interesting thing is that you can train even little kids to get better at this. You can actually give them strategies so that someone you know, it isn't like you're one type of person or the other. You can train people to actually be able to learn to restrain themselves to wait for the payoff. So uh, this interview, uh, let me stop saying so. I always do so. <laughs> I do too. I start everything I say with soa, soa. So you, do, you do say that a lot, actually. I do. I was listening to our podcast when I was traveling on my last flight. I listened to like five in a row. And like, you guys are intelligible but me it's all just like so uh and then you guys like like you understand what i'm saying i'm like so uh maybe i don't you're like that's right yeah. are you yes men you're yeah you're yes men you're freaking yes men yes men exactly Talking about the biggest yes men ever dory clark <laughs> such a bad segue <laughs> such a bad she's so one. not no uh, her book is called the long game i had a chance to interview her so let's listen in and, in, and then we'll discuss what we heard Hey, what is that over your, your left shoulder on the bed? Is that a cat? That's a feline. That's correct. Okay. It's just so funny because the color, I couldn't tell which way he's or she's facing. Yeah, that he is. He's facing away from us. So the, the, the black is uh, his tail. So it almost looks like a dog looking at us, like the big black nose and two black eyes. Like his yeah. head just laying there. And that's funny. Yeah, actually, I, I had never seen this, but somebody told me, and it, it's actually true if you map it out when, uh, you know, you can't exactly tell here with his tail tucked uh, tucked in, yeah. but it actually looks like, you know, the mask from the movie Scream? Yes. Like, it's like a perfect, it's a perfect Scream mask on his back. Oh my God, that's so funny. What what got you into cats? <laughs> uh, wow, what a, what a, what a profound oh, we're, This is the interview, question. by the way. This is my interview format. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. What got you into cats? I grew up uh, with a cat. My parents uh -huh. had, a, had a, uh, a Persian cat when I was growing up, but for whatever reason, they spoke to my soul, Mike. And yeah. so when I was a kid, I just, I kind of collected cats and I was an only child. And I think my mom felt like guilty or something. So she just let me have a lot of cats, which was fantastic. And so- as an adult, uh, yeah, I, I have two. I restrain myself. Um, yeah, yeah, but you know, I feel like two, two is a is a reasonable, it's a societally reasonable. It's number. a societally reasonable, yeah. Yes, yeah. but boy, let me tell you, I freaking love cats. Yeah, so I have a relative that's gone beyond the societal standard on cats, and um, it it's it's unique. 
Uh, actually, it's more than unique. It's a little bit bizarre. So you, you go there and cats are very clean animals, but their urine, that's the sophisticated word for urine, is, is so stench-ridden. It's so intense and pungent that when you visit, you're just like... <clears throat> Because if one cat has an accent, the whole place is done. And it's done, and it's done for life. If you one yeah. cat, you're an accent, you're done for life, in my opinion. That that is that is true, but uh, but also, I mean, I feel like this is a, a little bit of an of an outlier. I mean, I guess it depends how many cats she has, but you know, if if you if you are, you know, keeping keeping things in check, there yeah. should be no smells. There should be no smells, yeah. Time. Yeah. <laughs> I think just when a cat gets very old. So I grew up with one cat too, which is kind of coincidental. And, um, our cat Patch was her name. Was lived for a very long time. I want to say fourteen, maybe fifteen years old, and uh, started to urine, urinate in the house. Never had a problem. Litter yeah. box always clean, no problem. Started u- urinating things, and almost it sent like it felt like spiteful. I was going to school one day, grade school, and I put my f- shoes on and it sloshed in. I was like, oh, and then the smell of urine emanated out. Oh. And I want to tell you, I've never had a cat since. Just that was- <laughs> because because you had cat PTSD. I hear yeah, you. Yeah, cat PTSD. Yeah, sorry, man. That's that's a that's a that's a hard hard way to go. <laughs> it is a hard way to go. It's a hard way to go. So this translates perfectly into your book, The Long Game, um, which is really about cats and how to, you know, how to acquire how more they, of them. You yeah, have to, how you to have, have to plan, more cats in your life. strategize. Yeah. Um, what what is the long game? What what is the essence of the long game? The essence of the law game, Mike, is about how it's essentially about what you can be doing today, the small things you can be doing today that will make life better and easier tomorrow. And yeah. this could this could literally mean tomorrow in some cases, uh, you know, sort of the proverbial lay your gym clothes out the night before so that it's foolproof. Um, but broadly speaking, I, we all know intellectually that the short-term actions, just the things we happen to do, they add up. They sort of yeah. uh, accrue over time. And we we need to actually just be periodically checking in to ensure that the direction that we are going in habitually is the place we actually want to end up. Because I would like more people to, to actually end up in uh, in the destination that they truly want. So I've read in a few books now this concept of the rider and the elephant. This is, you know, the the elephant being the part of our mind that uh, just wants what it wants right now. Yeah. The rider being the intellectual one saying, no, 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 in the long term, it's better for us not to have that cookie right now. Don't do it. And elephant's like, yeah. I want cookie. Elephant wins every time because of its strength. Yeah. You um, know, that's from Plato, right? It goes yeah, I know way it went back. a way back. I, I dare say the Heath brothers in their books referenced it, but then I saw it in, in some work by Stephen Pressfield. I think Malcolm Gladwell, I see it bouncing around. I didn't know it went that far back. Yeah, I was a, I was a philosophy major. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, uh, it is truly OG. Okay. Um, so how, so your book, I has to address this of the immediate um, satisfaction or pleasure that comes out of grabbing that cookie versus the long term, that may not be a good move. How do you navigate that dynamic? 
Yeah, absolutely. How do how do we tame our elephants? Yeah, <laughs> that's what you you shouldn't have called your book "Taming the Elephant." <laughs> yeah, like, no. Long, great title, by the way, and great freaking book cover. Just wanted to get it out of the way. Okay. <laughs> Thank and scene, you. And scene to you. And scene. Love it. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of the challenge with long-term thinking is that we are hindered by human nature. This this is you know a fundamental conflict. Uh, one of the uh, one of the 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 interesting things that I cite at the end of the book, and, and to be clear, this is very brief because I feel like by now, speaking of business literature, it's it's super hackneyed. But I, I try to take it in a different direction. But uh, the thing that comes to mind for a lot of people is Walter Michel's famous marshmallow study. Right. So, okay, kids, you can have one marshmallow now, or if you can wait 15 minutes, you can have two marshmallows. Lots of people know about this, have read about this or heard about it. But I feel like there is an underappreciated fact that goes along with it, which is that I think oftentimes this um, by casual readers has a kind of essentialist reading. Oh mm. well, you know some some people are patient and some people aren't. Some people uh, some people can restrain themselves, and then other other people are just cookie monsters and they suck it down. But the tr- the interesting thing is that you can train even little kids to get better at this. You can actually give them strategies so that someone you know th- it isn't like you're one type of person or the other. You can train people to actually be able to learn to restrain themselves to wait for the payoff. And certainly if it's true for five-year-olds, it is also true for adults that we can learn strategies for how to do this. It's not just, oh, you're you're the wrong type of person. Guess you'll never be able to be a long-term thinker. Everyone can be a long-term thinker. And you know, I, I think part of part of what we have to realize, this is this is a both and situation, right? This is not an either or. Of course, we want to celebrate victories. Of course, we don't want to delay gratification forever because that's sort of the recipe for an abstemious life where, you know, we we might like die as millionaires, but, um, you know, we're still like living in shacks because yeah. we never feel comfortable celebrating. That's yeah. not good either. But I think for all of us, there are ways to get better at orienting ourselves, kind of fighting human nature a little bit and becoming more of the kind of person we all want to be. Um, One thing that really struck me, which I wrote about in the long game, there was a study a few years ago of 10,000 leaders and 97% said that the most important thing for the success of their business was long-term strategic thinking. Right. It like literally almost everyone says, yes, this is good. And yet the problem is that so few of us actually do it. So if we can turn up that dial and get better at it, there's a huge competitive advantage for us in terms of really being able to live out those principles. I want to know strategies to to do that. But my first question really is in the planning stage, do when we are thinking of the long game, do we First, identify the vision we have for ourselves, for our lives, for our business, for everything, and then work our way back like we're traditionally taught, or is there a different approach? So yes, and of course, that is important to know what our what our goal is that we're optimizing for. But in the long game, I actually say uh, and spend quite a bit of time in the beginning of the book about something that I would say is an essential pre-step even before we do that. 
So really like the first three chapters of the long game are about creating white space. Because I think that one of the fundamental barriers to long-term thinking, it's not that it's so hard and it's not that, oh my God, it takes so long. Neither of those things are true. But what it does require is mental space. And that is the thing that in modern society is in very short supply. Mm. And so I share strategies about how people can essentially create enough white space, you know, sort of stop with the busy, stop with the overwhelm, so that you are able to get just a bit of mental clarity to be able to ask important questions. It's not that you have to go to some ashram Mm. for six months, but can you create 30 minutes in your calendar so that you can actually step back, not be spending that time actually freaking out about all the emails you have, and instead really you know, focusing in on questions like, wow, well, are my actions today actually leading me to where I want to go? Is the goal that I have in my head still appropriate or have circumstances changed? Uh, have there been new developments in the in the business world that should actually force me to rethink things? Am I in the job that I should be in? You know, whatever mm. it is, these are important questions that we need the space to be asking and answering. So how do we give me come some strategies I can use? Like how do we build that white space? Yeah. So this is a battle, Mike, that I firmly believe is going to be won at the margins, right? Okay. Because Oftentimes, what we what we want, obviously, and I think what what we think we need is some silver bullet that is going to sure. solve all the problems. You know, sure, give sure. oh, give us all the space, or you know, we're probably not going to get that. Right. But can we get an extra thirty to ninety minutes a week of white space? Yes, I think we can. I think that is doable, and I would argue that that is more than sufficient. You know, if we're doing it right, for the kind of introspection that we need. So, how do we do that? Well, one super low hanging fruit strategy that I want to suggest to your listeners this is something that I have implemented personally. It makes a big difference. Um, (laughs) I have become really uh, religious, just as a matter of policy, about making sure that when somebody is asking for my time, which, you know, I mean, all of us get lots of requests. Oh, hey, you know, can we hop on a call? Hey, blah, blah, blah. Do me a favor. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people are super, super vague about what they want. And for a long time, I just assumed, oh, well, they must have Mm. a good reason. You know, oh, hey, Dory, um, I have something to talk to you about. When do you, when do you next, when do you next have an hour free? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I would just answer like, oh, well, I guess we could talk on Friday. And meanwhile, come to discover, Number one, this hour that they've booked, it really could have been an email because they have no sense of what's an important conversation and what's not. They might not even have a sense of what I actually do and therefore whether I can really help them. Frankly, they might be trying to sell me something and they just don't want to tell me. So what what I have started doing, which is the easiest thing in the world, people do not take offense to it if they actually have proper motives, is to just say, oh, hey, Mike, yeah, I'd love to help you if I can. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you'd like to talk about? Yeah. And then that way, they ha- they're forced to write back, number one, a certain percentage of people actually even drops off because oh, no. it doesn't, like, you know, it's like, oh, it's too much bother. Ah, well, okay, you didn't want to talk to them anyway. Yeah. And then you can find out. And if, and if Mike tells you, oh, hey, um, I really want to ask your advice about how to, 
you know, how to break into blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, wow, Mike, you know, I actually don't even really do that. That's kind of not my field, but you know, maybe you should talk to these other people, or maybe here's some resources you could read or whatever. You can solve that problem in three minutes instead of in 60 minutes. Oh, that's fascinating. So, okay. So now I open up some white space. I start asking myself educate, uh, educated questions, but questions just about my future envisioning. Um, so for example, a common thing I hear just in life is I want to be healthier, particularly, uh, I'm now in my fifties as, as people are getting older. Um, I hear it as a more and more common refrain, but that's the rider talking elephants like cookie time. What now that I have the space, I have the vision. What are things I can do to start invoking that change? That'll serve me for the long term. Yeah, Absolutely. So part of, so the next phase, once we actually have created a little bit of white space in our calendars and in our lives is, as as you suggested, rightly, uh, identifying what we really want to focus on. And so, I mean, health, of course, is a, is a great example. I don't think anybody is going to quibble with that. That's a yeah. great thing for people to focus on. But for for certain other goals, I think it is, it is worth kind of interrogating it because oftentimes mm. we might find ourselves in a situation where either that, you know, this often happens for, um, for folks who have been on a path for a while, it's possible that you might not be feeling as excited about it anymore. Or, you know, maybe there needs to be some kind of a, some kind of a change. Maybe partly it might've been, um, you know, frankly, a lot of us sometimes follow a script about what society thinks is a good idea. And maybe we've reached a point where it's like, Oh, like owning two cats. I'm just saying like limiting yourself. Yeah, just limiting yourself. Exactly. If Maybe you did your long game plan, you'd be like, 17 cats feels right for me. That's right. That's right. Get, you know, take that, society. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's that's part of it as well. And also, honestly, for a lot of entrepreneurs, we sometimes get caught up in, in uh, you know, I, I, I um, how to put it, you know, sort of looking around at what other people are doing and for saying- sure. Oh man, do I need to be on TikTok? Maybe sure. I need For to sure. be on TikTok. And sometimes we, you know, we just these things. It's it's like uh, over time they build up, and you find yourself like, oh my god, how did I get on sixteen social media platforms? You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's worth sort of thinking and really reevaluating that at a at a higher level. But as we're doing that. Let's take let's take health. Let's assume we've you know we've narrowed it down. We've decided no, these are the goals that are right for me. So in the long game, I actually profile just as one example uh, a, a great uh, woman named Kim Cantrigiani, who I first met because she's part of uh, she's a member of my recognized expert community that I run, and she had a fantastic story about this. And I think in her case, it was about weight loss, but it I think the principles apply for almost any kind of goal that you're setting. She was you know super busy, like a lot of us are. She had family, all kinds of obligations. And for years, her health was the thing that she always put on the back burner. So she just was not focused on it. And at a certain point, you know, she tried dieting, all these different things. It just like wasn't happening. And so at a certain point, she's like, no, for real, I have to get serious about this. And so she actually decided to go all in. And what she did was she went around to all of her friends and she set up, she called it a poundathon, and <laughs> she she got pledges from her friends that for every pound she lost, they would donate however much money oh, to the local battered women's shelter. And so all of a sudden, she had created a frame 
where number one, she was doing the weight loss project for a cause greater than herself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And number two, she had her whole community involved. And so, you know, as she told me, she's like, I really couldn't go around with a diet pepper and a, and a, and a candy bar after that, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you know, so she, she had her whole community cheering her on in the process. And so oftentimes I feel like a lot of, a lot of long-term thinking, a lot of, you know, sort of quote unquote, doing the right thing that we want to do is about tricking ourselves. It's about finding ways to outsmart our impulses. And if you can get your community involved with you, um, that's actually one really good way to trick yourself into compliance. That's actually fascinating. So, so instead of trying to just force change behavior, trick or channel behavior, what about those moments though? So this morning, um, we'll leverage exercise because that's such a common thing. I'm like, I got to go out, go and go for a run. And I'm like, but it's so cold out. Like, I really shouldn't, you know? And then the excuses start building up. And now there's this battle going in my head. It's the right thing to do, but not today. How do I overcome that battle? Yeah, yeah. In, in the moment, it's very hard. So yeah. there's, so essentially, what I like to suggest is we have to, essentially come up with multiple strategies this is this is a hydra with many heads mike yeah. speaking of of you know ancient mythology here oh i thought you were talking um, about godzilla because godzilla did take on hydra oh so you know. nice. oh you didn't know that uh i'm not so up on godzilla i'll be honest yeah so i, I appreciate your references to ancient history you got to get into the 70s like that's when stuff really went down and godzilla <laughs> and hydra uh it, it was a battle to the end but godzilla won Oh, okay. TLDR, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Well, that is that is excellent to know. Thank you. I will I will read You're up on that. Welcome. <laughs> but uh, you know, essentially, okay. So one thing we can do, it's okay, what can we do beforehand to make it more likely? Well, one one element, you know, that I was alluding to before is you you set out your gym clothes the night before so that when you wake up, it's like, oh, I need to put these on. Mm. You're wearing the gym clothes already. It, it begins to feel a little weird walking around all day in your gym clothes where you haven't gone to the gym. So that's at least one way to sort of tip the scale. It may not be sufficient, but it's, it's one strategy. Um, but also, you know, another strategy, of course, to the point about bringing in friends and bring, you know, bringing in uh, the sort of social component. This is a good one. This is why people hire personal trainers or, yeah. or whatever. You have a workout buddy. It's like, oh man, I don't feel like doing this, but I, I really would be a jerk if I stood this person up. It's, you know, 630 in the morning. And so I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I can't do that. So you lock yourself in, in that way. And yet another strategy, and, and I think this is actually honestly probably the most overlooked, is giving yourself flexibility, but, but, not, uh, but not permissiveness. And what I mean by this, uh, we often assume that, that things have to be all or nothing. Oh, I need to give, get a run at 6.30 in the morning every day. And that's when it has to be. And if I don't do that, well, geez, I've failed for the day. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, you want to try to run at 6.30 in the morning. Sometimes it's just not going to be possible because of, because of kids or because of you didn't sleep that night or whatever, right. whatever. As long, I mean, if, you're, if, you, if your goal is to do it three times a week or something like that, like, okay, you know what? Maybe you can do it tomorrow. Or maybe you can fit in a run at lunchtime. 
or something mm. like that. We, we often feel like, oh, it has to be this way. But if you can be more flexible in the implementation, as long as you get in three runs during the week, like God didn't say it had to be at 630 in the morning. You know, we, we want we want to not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I'll give you literally an example for me. Yesterday, I had uh, a lot of work that I needed to do before I started my day. There were just things that, that really like emails that had to go out and important stuff. And so I wanted to get in a full uh, cardio workout before before things happened, but I had too, you know too much work to do in the morning, and so I didn't I didn't end up with much time. I had like twenty five minutes. That was it to work out. And so I said, you know what? I would have liked to have done a good cardio workout. That's not happening today. But I went to the gym anyway, and I did weights. And oh, interesting. I, and I got you know I got in this like twenty three minute weight workout, which is not exactly what I intended, but it's not bad either. So I, I still was able to cobble that together and consider that a win, even if it was quote unquote, slightly imperfect. When, uh, when, when I read or heard that strategy from you, you, I, you and I were talking prior to launching the, the long game and you mentioned flexibility Then I read in the book and I was like, that, that inspired me the most. One thing I did personally is, uh, when I can't do cardio because of travel in particular, I started rucksacking, which is. Um, just carrying additional loads, but through the airports. So you notice at the airport, everyone has to wield suitcase. I stopped wheeling. I carry my suitcases. And you are back get, in the seventies, aren't you, Mike? This is very, it's a very seventies reference. Yeah. And I have my bell bottoms on and people are like, what's going on? And some people like actually look at me and say, Oh, what's, why aren't you rolling your suitcase? Like some people have asked me, I'm like, Oh, it's, it's just broken. It's not worth the battle. But the cardio workout's insane. Walking the steps every single time. I was in, at Las Vegas recently, walking the four flights of steps where there's escalators going up. My God, what a workout. And it was inspired by that concept of flexibility. It isn't a either or, it's a either um, or this or that or, or alternative. It's really a fascinating insight. Where does this fall short? When people start doing this planning, uh, there, there may be times where it just, it just, it falls apart, and actually, maybe it's even counterproductive. Is there ever a case that that they actually hurt themselves in the planning stages or execution stages? Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting point. I mean, I think where where we often go wrong, and and this is something that I try to encourage people to to prevent, is you know, of course, um, if you have invested so much. In a particular mm. concept, in a particular outcome. Oh, you know, I've been I've been doing this thing. I've been working in my garage for ten years, and here's my thing. And then you know, the, the you launch the thing, and it's like, oh, well, wah, wah. yeah, <laughs> that you know, that's terrible because you you've put so much on it, you've put so much time and effort into it. And so, you know, Silicon Valley has developed a lot of thinking about this in terms, you know, the, the modality that they talk about is the lean startup methodology. That yeah. You create a, a minimum viable product and you test it with consumers to see if they're even interested in the idea. And then only when you've gotten the interest validated, do you actually work on improving it and making it better and making it a nice thing that people can buy. But, um, but you know, the original version is kind of crappy. And I, I think that it, one of the themes that I have in the long game is really just trying to apply concepts from enterprise level business to our own lives. Because I, I think what's ironic is that a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, they do all this stuff 
in their business, they're like, oh yeah, we should have a minimal viable product. Like, they do all that. Yeah. They know that. And then in our lives, we don't do it. And so the question for me is, if we are setting goals for our careers or for our personal lives, what is the smallest bet we can make? How do we mm. make sure that we are not overly attached to, no, it has to be this way? Because yeah. if we can hold it lightly, if we can be directionally correct and say, well, you know, I want to end up over here, but you know, there's probably like 15 ways that I could get over there. So let's see which is the most promising. Let's see which one seems like it's going to pan out. That is actually, I think, a much healthier way of doing it because it means that there's never so much at stake that it would be tragic if it didn't come to pass. Fascinating. Hey, are you still teaching at Duke, by the way? I, I am. I'm going down in about a month for my first in-person teaching uh, since the pandemic. Oh, wow. Dory Clark, uh, a professor at Duke, um, a entrepreneur herself, um, and, and really just steeped in studying this. Your book has been so far an extraordinary success and it actually only gaining momentum. I think this is a subject people want. Where would you like our listeners to go right now to get a copy of The Long Game? Yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Well, The Long Game is available in, in all all the book places. And uh, if if you would like to get links to other places to get it, including in different countries, I even identified bookstores where you can get it there. And also download a free long game strategic thinking self-assessment. All of that is on the book page. You can go to doryclark.com slash long game. That's easy to find. Dory, thanks so much for joining me today. Mike, it's always a joy talking with you. So there was Dory. So. Uh... What did you all think? I love oh, her. What's that weird clap? Like, that's like an excited clap from me. I, I know. I'm really excited because I really love her. I love her. Like, I could, I like her energy and I could just like be, I feel like she's one of those people you just be in their presence for a long time and doesn't get old. Um, Amy's going to take all the things that I'm going to, that I was gonna, There you go. <laughs> no, here's the big stick. Right, Jeremy. No. Listen, if you would put you first because Amy just takes it all, but you, go, Amy, go. You go first. No, Jeremy, oh, no. you go first. No. Oh no! Oh no! We're not doing this. People. All right, Jeremy. Yes, right. That's, that's yeah, true. Because it was painted okay. in the corner. What'd you get, Jeremy? Uh, so when she talked about the uh, study, I actually wish she uh, referenced where this study was because I wanted to look it up. Uh, long-term strategic thinking among ten thousand uh, leaders. Uh, it was ninety-seven percent said that long-term strategic planning was their the number one thing that they would say was. Um, the, the most important thing yeah. in terms of their success. Um, so that was really interesting. And then she said, and I know this happens with you a lot, when people ask for your time, uh, her response is, well, tell me a little bit more about what you want to talk about, because she's learned that a lot of times um, her time gets sucked up because it could have either been done by through email or a short phone call or something. Uh, so this way, she said, some people just drop off and don't even respond to it to explain a little bit more about what she wanted or what they wanted. And then, um, and then for the people that actually do respond, it gives a better scope and focus for when her, she actually does get on the phone with them or does a call with them to where she can use her time more, um, you know, beneficial. Yeah. I think that this isn't actually true, but the human being is the only animal that can do critical thinking with you know, forward projection. Like if I do this today, what's the consequence tomorrow? Now, animals clearly do preparing for the future. You know, they squirrel stuff away or 
they, they do things to prepare for a season or something. But I, I think the human mind, as far as I know, is the only mind on the planet that evaluates if this, then that, and can look toward the future. Um, so it's really interesting. We can, we do have total control over our short time, short term uh, action and the long-term benefit or consequence. It doesn't mean we always adhere to it. I also like that discussion around the elephant and the rider. I didn't realize it went back so far. I thought it was just actually a more current um, positioning of that concept. But it is a hard thing to overcome saying, oh, you know, if I, if I exercise today, I'll be more fit tomorrow. But then the elephant's like, but I don't want to exercise today. Then cookies, but yeah, then brownies, cookies, but then I want, ice I want cream. A, bl- uh, a blanket. Yeah. Oh, Jeremy, I found this blanket I want to get you. I found a blanket. I want a blanket and uh, I want my cats on my lap. Like that's, <laughs> that's what we say. <laughs> I have that same thing. All the things that you're saying with the elephant, I know the elephant's just an analogy term, but you actually, if you don't exercise and you eat the ice cream and you feel that you're going <laughs> to turn into an elephant. You do become the elephant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's actually funny. That's yeah. funny. I wrote the same thing down too, that I, for me, this was a very hopeful um, podcast. Like I love the idea that you can retrain or rather um, train yourself to restrain yourself. So, so you don't Mm. have to be the elephant. You don't have to, you're not the elephant or you're the driver. You can actually train to be, um, train to be the driver. And, um, because my life is mostly feels like the elephant has control basically. So, uh, I found a lot of what she said helpful. I also like when she said, um, the essential pre-step is creating some white space, some white, um, mental space, so that you can actually question, like, what is it I'm going for? You know, do I, am I actually, do I, like, like you said, do I really want to be on 16 social media platforms? Yeah. Time to question all of those things and, and get smart about what you're going for in the long game, rather than just like going for it and being sporadic and going every which way. And I thought too, I wrote that down too, Jeremy, about um, having that little bit of a pre-interview before she schedules her time with anybody. So she's, you know, she's, got her time accountable for the things she wants it to be ready for and there for. Since the interview, I have been trying a little game when I see that cookie or whatever it is, I, I go, Oh, you elephant. Like <laughs> I've just made a, a conscious thought saying, Oh, the, what's the rider want? What's the elephant want? And literally that's the question I asked myself in my head and I've I been like more disciplined. Now this is only over a few weeks since yeah. I did the interview. Right. But I was like, Oh, when you make it a conscious thought. Yeah. It, it and it's a, it's a question like that. It's not like oh, because the other there's always a commentary stream going on in your head. I see the the cookie there, and if I didn't ask myself that question, I'm like oh, I like cookies, cookies, cookie, cookie. <laughs> I don't but get cookies saying, that often. Oh, the elephant wants a cookie. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> I've actually curtailed it. We'll see if I sustain this. But yeah, you got to report on that because I think I could employ that too. Actually, I mean that being said, I eat like 15 Cliff bars <laughs> a day. <laughs> So no. I'm not even like hungry by the time a cookie presents itself. <laughs> oh God. For Amy, funny. she bought, she bought like uh, a, I try to keep the office stashed with snacks, yeah. but Mike's man, I tear God. through Cliff bars and uh, the decaf coffee. Like it's almost empty again already. I know I have to order for you. <laughs> yeah. What's funny about yeah. the Cliff bars is I remember when um, we were at the smaller office like 10 years ago and you, you would just, be like, oh, load up on cliff parts, load up on cliff parts. So we'd go and buy like all the ton of these cliff parts. Yeah. And then as we're hungry, you're just eating them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a cliff bar. It's healthy, right? And you look at the back and you're like, 
just was like a hundred <laughs> arms per cliff. Oh, bar. it's horrible. It's horrible. Like, yeah. yeah. Unless yeah. like I'm rock climbing that day or, or scaling Mount Everest. Like it's probably not That's a good. That's what you got to do. Yeah. You got to, yeah, you got to be burning those calories. That's the other issue. I have one more thing I want to add. I know we got to yeah. go, but um, her point on um, accountability. Okay. So first of all, this is a hydra. You have to have multiple strategies to yeah. do this. And like one of them was the accountability, which I, uh, or you got me hooked up with Lauren at that one point, this is way before I ever worked for you, uh, Lauren, who was a trainer and, um, I was accountable to her for these like weight training and weight loss and what was, that Lauren, like, what was Lauren, Lauren's last name? That Jared, Wade, who hooked Lauren, up who? Lauren, you hooked me up with Lauren. That, that may have been Jeremy's Lauren. It is Jeremy's Lauren. Oh my! This is- I, I love that, that. That's my Lauren. Right? I know we have come full circle with this thing, I and no I don't know idea. if Lauren is paying attention to our, our podcast. The world's come full circle, exactly. But that was hugely, hugely yeah. helpful for me, and I hit that goal of incredible muscle gain and weight loss with her. That she was so jacked, like you'd see Amy just like walk down <laughs> the street like a gorilla. I'm like, what's yeah. going on? Yeah, and she pulled just- her arms out. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, that's she not gun. That's was- cannons. Exactly. She, she, she like flex one day and she's like, do my arms look too big? And I was like, <laughs> oh, Amy or Lauren's arrival Lauren. my arms. Like, it's oh, definitely yeah. Lauren Lauren. Was jacked. Yeah. yeah. She was anyway, jacked. Another good trick. I mean, Remember another so, good. Um, okay. So we want to know what you discovered. I did the SOA again. I did the SOA again. We want to know our listening friend, what you discovered. So please go to rateourpodcast.com to help us rate the podcast. It's a great way for us to get some exposure. You can raise up to five stars and post your comments there. What did you learn from the interview with Dory Clark? I would love to see what you saw. Uh, also, don't forget to subscribe to mikesyoutube.com. We're going all YouTube all day. So mikesyoutube.com. You got to even see this video of this podcast there. All right, Shlone, you got a little... Uh, yeah. little you have a... Real quick for the rating. There's no up to five stars. Come on. It's five stars. It's Let's five just, stars. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want uh, people to treat us honestly. Yeah, honestly, five stars. But I'm also trying to prime <laughs> people by saying five stars. I want to say stars. you can rate us one star or higher because then it sounds like a one star. You can raise hmm. up to five. There yeah. you go. <laughs> the prime right. technique. So the game or the quiz. Uh, so trivia, I guess we're going to Dory uh, plays ping pong in her spare time. Okay. So we have a table tennis quiz. Okay. This one's this one's fun. I ping pong. So, so table tennis or ping pong is governed by the ITTF, which stands for the International Table Tennis Federation. What year was ITTF founded? Was it 1906, 1916, or 1926? All right, you ready for the next one? Ready. Okay. The sport originated in Victorian England among the upper class as what? Was it an after-dinner parlor game, a game to play in between polo matches, or a game to play in between tennis matches? All right, you ready? Next yeah. one? Okay. Other than the term ping pong, what's another layman's term that it has been called? Is it flim-flam, flip-flop, or whim-wham? Oh. Mm. Did you say that because you know this one, Amy? No, because I don't. None of them ring for me. I'm gonna get. <laughs> Her nickname. Uh, and, I, and I got one. I got one. Did you say flip 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 flip
<laughs> don't say flim flam. I'm all right with flip flop. Don't say he was flip flop, flim flam. <laughs> oh, here comes flip flop, flim flam. Because he's always flip flopping on you. Like, hey, Aim, you available? Flip, 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 like, yeah. And it's like, no, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> that was me. That was her. Still to this day. Flim flam, flip flop. I got one more question because we okay. we usually get in with the ties. Huh? So um, just to give you a point of reference, the fastest smash in ping pong ever recorded was 75 miles per hour by Dmitry Avkarov. Nice, right? The fastest serve recorded in ping pong was recorded by Asuka Sakai, uh, which reached what speed? What's the difference between a smash and a serve, people? So smash, a smash. Like, oh, sorry. Go okay, ahead. go, go. I was saying, oh, smash would be like a return of volley, like gotcha. when you smash it down. And ah. the serve is like the starting point. Ah, and right. the serve has to hit your side first, then their side. Yeah. So serve is going to be ah. slower. Right. It has to be slower. It's hard yeah. to get speed on it, you know? All right. Um, so what speed was the fastest serve? Was it 25.2, 33.5, or 40.3 miles per hour? Okay. All right. Got my answers. Okay, question one. Uh, what year did the ITTF, uh, what year was it founded? 1926. 1906. Oh, Amy got it right. 1926. Damn you, Amy, and damn everything about <laughs> ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, come on, come on. She's like, oh, I played it ever since it was flim flam back in 1926. Yeah, yeah, no, it's bleed, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, see, yeah, here's what I did. I smoked cigars and I hit ping pongs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. All right. Uh, the sport originated in Victoria, England, among the upper class as what? Do you need me to read the three options? No, I think it's between tennis matches. I said between be. tennis matches. Wrong. It is no. after dinner parlor game. Oh. Really? You would you think, think like, like, they're, like they play tennis. tennis match, go, I'm too yeah. tired to play again, but let's yeah, We're going to do the little tennis. tennis. Little yeah, mini little tennis. tennis. It used to be little called tennis. little tennis, by the way. That was the yeah. answer to number whatever. Number Five. three is little tennis. Is little the correct tennis. answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so other than the term ping pong, what is another layman's term that it has been called? <gasps> flim flam. I'm saying flim flam. It's whim wham. Ah, that was the other one I was going to go with. Nab it. I was going to go with all three, Amy, just to make sure I had it covered. Thanks, Mike. Wait a minute. I, like, so I only flam, have one flop so or whim wham. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah and, Dagnabbit uh, was the term that they used when they would screw up a shot. So there you go, Amy. I just told Jenna so, the other day, I am an old prairie woman, somehow still stuck in this day and age. Amy wins, but we do have Wait, a tiebreaker. Wait, we got the fourth so, question. We have well, a fourth I thought, question. Oh, I thought it was a tiebreaker only. No, no, no. We're going, we're going for it. Oh, okay. No, I got okay. a chance. I got a chance. All right. So the fastest serve ever recorded in ping pong was how many miles per hour? 40.3. 33.5, and everyone knows it. Mike got it, man. Boom. So now there is a tie. <laughs> so I should have. No. Had, now we have to have a fifth question. No, Mike Jesus. won. Mike got the first one and the last one. I got nothing besides. I thought the first you, one. you had the first one. Just the first one. Oh, Mike okay. had the first and one. I got too. the last one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I can't think of a better way to end a show. We're coming upon the close of the series of this programs. The last than with an ambiguous winner. I think. Yeah. That's there we go. Perfect. This is just how it has Who to be. Who won? I don't really know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? You're welcome. <laughs> all right my friends you just heard uh one of our near final episodes of mike up in your business really been a joy sharing these insights with you interviewing such amazing guests we are sunsetting the show but we are far from done we're just getting started make sure you go to mike's youtube.com and subscribe right now notification bell too and you'll see all the new rich content that's going to be there waiting for you to make your business endeavors ever better Wishing you good times. Wishing you good times. Good times. Bye.